I'm Kate Daniels. I wonder if some of the unrest and disharmony we witness relates to a feeling of not belonging. It's certainly worth considering and then to find what we do about it. Dr. Susie Wise is the founder and former director of the K-12 lab at the Stanford University D School. And now she has a new book applying that work into community called Design for Belonging. Dr. Wise joins us with her insights. Dr. Susie Wise, good morning, and thank you so greatly for being with us today. Good morning. I'm so happy to be here with you. You know, this is just such perfect timing, this new book that you have designed for belonging, how to build inclusion and collaboration in your communities. Could the timing be any more perfect in terms of this being an answer to prayer? Yes. Absolutely. I mean, both everything that we're dealing with kind of emerging from the pandemic and also the the reckoning we've had in recent days, months around our history of race in this country. I think those two things together really set the stage for the need for belonging. And then you add on to it newer things happening with immigration and thus integrating more cultures into our community. We have a lot going on. And the thing is, this brings us the design. This is a way to work with it because I think we come from the standpoint of we want this to work. We we, we don't want the kind of chaos that we've seen playing out at times over the last couple of years and before, but really kind of in a pressure cooker these last couple of years. Yeah, I completely agree. We, as humans, I think I'm, I'm a real optimist about humans wanting to be better, to do better, to be enabled to show up as their whole selves um, in different environments. And so I really believe that thinking about design, how we craft our environments and the context in which we live and work we can turn that towards building more welcoming, more invitation to join in, to show up, and to be a part of things in community. And community is really what it is. Schools, of course, are community. And and really, this the idea and the work on design happened at the university, at Stanford University. However, that is building the basis with students, and we look at them bringing it out into the world. But the challenges we have exist in all sorts of arenas. And this is a pattern, if you will. It's the design that can be applied in any space and place, right? Yeah, exactly. Yes, my background teaching at Stanford has been working with students there and also working in the world in K-12 education, so elementary, middle, and high schools, working with educators as they build greater belonging in their schools. And But the book is intended to help share these tools much more broadly because all kinds of people, whether you work in an office, or a school, a large organization, or a small organization, you want to be able to build the environment so people can show up and be themselves, contribute their best, be their best. Um, And so what I'm doing with the book is offering tools of design to, to break it down and help people get started. In a way, the book is kind of a toolkit for thinking about how to feel, see, and shape belonging. 
And while this is the design, it's based on actual experiences. This is what you've been doing in the school and with schools over a long period of time. That's right. Yeah, I founded the K-12 lab at the Stanford D School. Our work was to bring design thinking into schools, and we found that there we were able to kind of help propel and catalyze a huge movement of educators who care so much about their students to use design to help build more creative classrooms. So some of the work that I did with classroom teachers and also with school principals was about helping them use tools of design to shape the culture of their schools to be more welcoming and inviting for students. One of the things we know from learning research is that when students feel a sense of, the, of belonging, they're able to show up as learners in a different way. They're able to engage in the challenges of learning holistically. And, of course, in the schools, and particularly in the past maybe couple of decades, as we've seen more of an integration, at least I hope that we're seeing that, I think we're seeing it, that there is uh, more of that sense from, from the students being able to describe what that feels like. Yeah, so having a sense of belonging means being able to bring your whole self to school to be able to share different aspects of your identity, how you learn best, who your family is, where your people came from. Those are important parts of any child's identity. And we want schools to be able to celebrate that, bring those identities in, and in fact, use it for learning. We learn best when we're able to tell our own stories as part of our learning. And so you were experiencing this. You were seeing it in action, how the students felt, how the teachers were feeling, and more so even the families in the community were feeling about it. Yeah, that's right. One of the stories I tell um, sometimes to think concretely about what it is to design for a belonging is a story of a principal that I worked with. He was new to a school. He was actually an assistant principal. He was new to a school in Colorado, and he was, um, you know, showing up and getting to know the principal and thinking about the year ahead and asked the question, like, so what kind of assemblies do you have? And the principal said, oh, we, we don't have assemblies here. And um, this person thought, wow, wh- why that? Um, and the principal said, you know, students are not well-behaved enough. We just don't do that. And this new assistant principal said to himself, gosh, okay, that means to me that there's something upstream that isn't happening. The students aren't being brought into the environment in a way that they know that people care and want them to show up, that they want to be able to be creative and collaborate. So he thought, I'm going to start small, and I'm just going to start with some teachers who want to change some of their classroom practices. And he built a program Um, that we sometimes call advisory. In his school, he called it crew. And he thought that he could work with teachers to, in their small groups, in their classrooms, to help students get to know each other more by playing games, by learning about each other, by doing storytelling, and, of course, by working on their, you know, critical content in their schoolwork together, but in smaller groups where they could actually build relationships with their teachers in new ways. 
as that started to take place, he had lots of classrooms that were working much better. Then he realized, okay, now we're probably ready to have an assembly because students have a whole different way that they're showing up to their classrooms and being in relationship with each other. We can move to the place of having an assembly where we can purposely come together as a larger group. So I, I share that story just as an example of culture gets built day by day and in relationship. And the tools to design for belonging are to think about what in your context can you play with? Where can you make smaller groups? Where can you help people come together for events? How can you use space, even physical space, to show people that their stories and experiences are welcome? Yes, that's what we're in such great need of here is hearing the different stories. They're different, but then we, we find commonality, don't we? Absolutely. And that, that shared sense of human purpose, desire to learn, willingness to be in relationship with, that, with each other, that's the felt experience of belonging. So sometimes... Um, I like to start people thinking about belonging by just remembering a time and place in your life where you really felt like you could be your whole self, where you felt like your, your strengths and contributions were welcomed and well utilized. That's probably a place where you felt belonging. And I think many people have felt that somewhere and then we can look at, if we're in touch with what that feeling is, then we can look at when and where do we not have that feeling and who gets to have that feeling more and in what context. That can then point us to the places where we need to probably do a little bit of work, like that principal in Denver deciding that, right, what the work that he needed to do. But that can be, you know, in a local park or club, or at your office, or in a large corporation, you can look for what are the moments where belonging isn't really shining through, and focus on those. It might be some of the moments that I think about are those kind of early stage moments of the welcome, um, the invitation to join, the entering of a new context or community or building or space. Those are early stage moments that we can attend to. Those might be some of the first we need to work on. But then there are other things downstream, like how do we help people persevere during difficulty? How do we help people share feedback for what's not working? And, of course, across this work, it's best to be done that this design work is done in community and in collaboration um, with co-designers from the community sense of community can happen, of course, at any scale, again, right? Maybe it's your block, maybe it's your whole city, maybe it's your corporation, maybe it's an internal team in an organization. Well, to that point of it happening in your own community, I think I read that you were doing something along those lines in your own neighborhood. Yeah, as recently, uh, we just did the first one. But I felt like, wow, I've been doing all this work on kind of these other scales of school-level scale and school district and with universities and in the nonprofit sector. And I thought, I haven't done anything on my very own block. And I live in Oakland, California, 
in a very diverse neighborhood where some folks have lived here for a really long time and some folks have not. I'm kind of in the middle. And I thought, I just want to have a very low-key, um, COVID-safe front yard experience. And so got some donuts from my local donut maker and my husband pulled out the coffee maker. We set it up on the sidewalk. I put a very casual flyer in folks' mailboxes to invite them out on a Saturday morning for coffee and donuts. And it was so moving. Um, met people that I hadn't met before. Other neighbors met each other that had lived on the block for 25 years. And Presumably, they'd seen each other before, but they didn't really know each other. And that's just a little baby starting point for what could happen on our block as we get to know each other and potentially invest in our relationships more as neighbors. But that's one of the things that I love about using a design mindset. you got to start somewhere. Try something and see. See who shows up. See who wants to engage in the conversation. And then also notice who didn't. Maybe there's a need to create another kind of invitation for somebody to join. Um, so that it was, it was really exciting, and I felt like I was, you know, um, what's the expression? Eating my own dog food, <laughs> which felt really important. It, well, exactly. And to just be modeling it, well, your own little ex, uh, experimental lab uh, and using that to see how it works really at this very um, low level, but really it's it's where we live. So it's not a low level in that sense, but seeing how here we start and, and, and neighborhoods can be diverse. And even if they aren't um, obviously diverse, they're there, there's such a, a variety of, of diversity. So we find right. out, right? So many different identities. Yes. Absolutely. Yeah, I just, I think that, um, I think part of the point that you're making there is just starting small really matters. And block by block, right, moment by moment is actually how culture is built. So at the tools of design for belonging are to notice when and where you feel belonging, notice when and where others feel belonging, and then see what kind of moments those are and make that move to say, okay, interesting. I don't know how to enter this space and be me. That entry to a space is one kind of a moment. What kinds of design tools can I apply to that? Well, I could think about space. But I could also think about time or role or ritual, right? Thinking about roles is very interesting. What's the role of the greeter or the welcomer? And also, what's the role of the person that engages you in deeper conversation about what's going on? So let's kind of step back a moment. And we're talking about design. Design is really then conceiving of even in a very simple way, what this might look like. In, in this case, you know, just having coffee and donuts and putting flyers in everyone's mailboxes. That's a design, correct? Absolutely, yeah. Sometimes when we hear the word design, we think uh, visual design, we think logos, or we think websites. 
But when I use design, I'm using it broadly to say creative problem solving, creative idea generation, and trying things out in the world to see how they work. Those are some of the tools of design that we bring to this work. So in that example of the on my block, you, you have it exactly right. It's that those simple things like, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna design an event. It's gonna be really low key. I need to know, you know, I'm gonna do donuts and coffee, I'm gonna put some flyers out, and then I'm gonna show up that morning ready to see who's shown up and how we what kinds of conversations we can have together. So that's thinking about using an event as a way to shape belonging. Another great example where you can see the design process is an organization called Playworks that helps schools think about recess. So recess, we might think of as a break from the important work that's happening in the classroom. It's actually a fundamental part of the school day. The kinds of relationships that students have on a playground are really fundamental for how they're learning, who they are, how to build relationships, and that whatever happens on the playground, those that kind of spirit and ways of learning to work together really translate into how things go in the classroom. So it matters a lot for a school's culture what's happening on the recess grounds, right, on the playground. This organization called Playworks, what they do is train AmeriCorps volunteers to participate in school uh, in schools as recess coaches. And then those AmeriCorps volunteers also train fifth graders, let's say, to be recess coaches themselves. So that's the innovation there, the design there, is creating a new kind of role of a recess coach and a recess helper that fundamentally changes then how people can interact. So that's where you see that sense of design being about how do we creatively problem solve what's happening when recess is not working. We know it's fundamental to a school's culture. And so we can think of a new role as a lever for making that change. And that's what I mean when I think about design and design for belonging. I think that particular example is a really interesting one for thinking about a culture of belonging. Because when you can play together, you get to show up and be together in new ways. And that really is supportive of belonging. And of course, it makes such perfect sense to be doing this in the schools at a young age to really begin to make it be something that just is becomes us. It's in ourselves. It's it's important that somehow, though, I think in a parallel, that the families, the the parents, the aunts, the uncles, uh, the extended ones, the the neighborhood is is doing something similar, so it supports that rather than maybe, as witnessed by what's you know the tensions that we've seen really show up in the last couple of years, how we begin to work with that so we transfer the kids learning into the neighborhood and, and family environments 
Absolutely, absolutely. Families have such a critical role to play, right? The home, the family is the first classroom. You almost can't do the other work of schooling without being in partnership there. And I think there are tons of things that both schools and also parents and caregivers themselves can do to bridge more in order to build belonging. So this, not saying schools need to necessarily do more, maybe that's where like entities such as the PTA, uh, or maybe there's a new kind of organization that pops up to kind of bridge that to have the schools doing what they do and bringing the community to support that and, and maybe have, uh, I don't know, maybe they do it like those, a big event during special holiday seasons. Yeah, so many opportunities. And again, that event notion is a lever. That's something that we can concretely and consciously design so that a wide range of community members feel a sense of belonging when they join an event. We also have other things that we can think about. What are rituals? How does, what, is, what happens when somebody new comes? Is there a ritual for newcomers? Is there a ritual for when parts of the community are moving on? Uh, we know about, you know, kind of classic rituals like graduation, but there may be many other moments that are important for a community that can be supported by a ritual. Again, that sense of how to use space as something that you design so that people's stories of the families could show up in the space is a, something that I've seen folks do in some really interesting ways. That's another bridging opportunity to bring families visibly into the school, even if because of work schedules, et cetera, they can't be there all the time. Perhaps their stories or their images or information about their own learning can show up in the physical space, that using representation as a way to build cues for belonging can be really powerful. I think this whole space of the role that parents and caregivers can have in relationship to the educators and, and school folks is really powerful. And, and you point out there's we have this historic notion of something called a PTA, but we could actually design a new, new kinds of organizations potentially that allow people to come together in new and different ways. Yes, it takes someone with the vision, someone like the story of the vice principal, someone who sees how this could be done differently. And really uh, kind of growing that vision, this new book of Design for Belonging, How to Build Inclusion and Collaboration in Your Communities, really is then like this wonderful and easy to follow, simple and lovely uh, guidebook for us, a kind of map, if you will. Yeah, thank you. I'm excited about it. Um, And, you know, folks can get it now. It's out there. It is illustrated by a D.C.-based mural artist named Rose Jaffe, and she did a beautiful job. The book has three different um, murals, if you will, that fold out. 
one introduces folks to what I call the host heroes of belonging. So these are folks that inspired my thinking about belonging. It's a really diverse group. Some folks are scholars that have done research in the learning sciences around belonging and what it means for how we learn. Other folks, like Claude Steele, is a researcher that thinks about how stereotypes affect us. But then there are also people from pop culture that you might know, like Laverne Cox, from who we got to know from Orange is the New Black, but has gone on to do so many things. Or Brene Brown, who has talked with us about what is true belonging, the kind of belonging that you take with you. So as a designer, I like to draw from a lot of different influences, and I wanted to honor these folks as host heroes of belonging. That's one of the murals, and then there are two more. The next is these moments, some of which we've been talking about. And then the final one is for shaping belonging, and it introduces everyone to the notion of some of these lovers of design and reminds us that space and role and ritual and even time and schedules are things that we can consciously design, as in manipulate, change, see anew, intentionally craft with, these are things that we can use. So the whole book is intended to be a kind of toolkit for taking, for noticing and then taking action. And that's, of course, a loop, too, because when you take an action, you want to keep noticing. Wow, I created this event and I saw only one part of our community came to it. That's going to be an indicator that another part of your community didn't feel that that invitation was really speaking to them, and you want to investigate there. Design is driven by investigation and inquiry into what's working and what's not. And so when you try new things, especially if you're trying to work towards belonging, you want to pay attention to what kind of belonging is emerging. It's just such a great gift. I'm going to call it a gift at this time when we are in such turmoil still, but we're looking to how do we move forward? How do we create? And we can create. We're co-creators here in Design for Belonging, where we can look at our neighborhoods, then our schools, our communities, our workplace, our places of worship, uh, you know, any of these entities, and see how we can make it all work together as this larger community so that we build that harmony and, and inclusion that we want. Absolutely. That's absolutely. Thank you so much, Kate. That's absolutely where I'm going with this work is to say, yes, we can. We can notice what's working, what's not, where people are feeling belonging, where people are feeling belonging and where they're not, and then consciously design to create new ways of being together that will build more belonging. And and then just think of the great feeling that there is the the positiveness the optimism the the hope for the future where you know, there is a uh, more of this peace existing in our communities absolutely that's my great hope and of course 
no book will do do that <laughs> all, but I'm trying to play my part in noticing that these are some tools that may be helpful to move us in that direction. And and that is what, what is needed because we could feel stymied. Like, what am I supposed to do here? This at least we see. And, and then we just hone it to whatever works for our own situations. It's, it's, a, it's a great guide. Yeah, that's awesome. One of the things that I, you know, concluding sentences in the book for me is don't let the hardest things keep you from making forward motion. We need to endeavor when we notice that things don't feel great. That's actually the place to dig in and say, wow, we could work on this. And we might not get it right. But if we're continuing to feel into those moments with the goal of working towards greater belonging, with the consciousness of inquiring who and where and when it is emerging, then we follow those cues. We follow those signals to keep going. Yes. So the book, Design for Belonging, just freshly out so we can pick it up at any of our favorite book sources. And the website also is such a wealth of information. So let's mention that, Dr. Wise. Yes, two websites. You can check out dschool.stanford.com to learn about all of our work out of the D School at Stanford and then designforbelonging.com for additional toolkits, videos, and other materials related to the book. So perfect. And I'm just so grateful that you had that vision and the drive to work through all of these designs and then know that it needed to be a book for us. And then also, thank you so greatly for spending this time with us this morning. I really loved it. And I'm so grateful that you wanted to talk about this. Always.